So today's passage is in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 21. If you have your Bible, go ahead and encourage you to turn there. If you do not have one, there should be one in front of you. If you don't have one at home, please take it home as a gift. Again, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3, in verses 12 through 21. And once you've arrived there, if you could, please stand with me for the reading of God's word. Hear the word of the Lord. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made it made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you, now I tell you even with tears, walk as enemies to the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glorify or they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Morning. So as I'm getting my stuff ready, uh, I'm going to share a Spurgeon quote with y'all. Spurgeon one time said, good morning. Y'all see what I did there? Got my Spurgeon quote in. I'm good to go. Now I can just move right on ahead. Hey, for those of y'all that don't know me, my name is Sean, church planning resident. I like to point out the youngest church planning resident at Providence Church. Um, Scott always tries to tell everybody I'm his dad, uh, but I'm actually younger than him. I just have lived life a little harder than he has. <clears throat> um, so this morning, we're, we're continuing on in, in Philippians, and we're looking at joy in obedience. Uh, that's... that's the kind of the idea and the theme for today. Uh, but before we jump off in there, I want to share with y'all what I did the first service this morning. Um, I pointed out to them, if you look up in verse 1 of chapter 3, Paul starts out by saying, finally. And then he goes on for two more chapters. So if I run long this morning... It's because I'm following Paul's example. Like he said, finally, and then wrote the other half of Philippians. So if I go long, y'all just hunker down. We'll, we'll get out of here before New Year's. Uh, 
So, where do we start? I'm going to, if you would, just pray with me real quick. Father God, we just thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for all the gifts contained within this day. God, we thank you for who you are. As we come to your throne of grace and mercy this morning, seeking you and you alone, I pray that you would bend our hearts and our minds towards you. God, I pray that you would move in a mighty and powerful way this morning. God, for those of us that need your embrace, that need that comfort that only you can give, God, I pray that, that you would just swoop down and, and let us feel your presence, God, that we might see the fingerprints of God all around us. And God, for those of us that, that need your humbling and, and need your just breaking, God, I pray that you would break us, humble us in you that you might build us back up. God, as we look to your word to grow closer to you, I pray that you would hide me behind your cross, that, that your glory would be proclaimed and that your word would land exactly where it needs to. God, we love you, we love you, we love you. And we ask all this in Jesus' most beautiful name, amen. So Paul starts out there in, in verse 12 and he says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do is forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And what I feel like Paul is doing there is he's given us an example to follow. He's taken an appropriate account of who he is. He says, not that I've already obtained this or that I'm already perfect. And church, I'll tell you, I believe, I, I don't, I'm not speaking about y'all because I know y'all are all perfect and holy. Um, but let me kind of change the way I do this for the second service. Um, I have a hard time taking a proper account of myself sometimes. When I happen to walk by the, the mirror in the bathroom and my shirt's off, I see 18-year-old Sean, and I look good. Wives, y'all know y'all's husband does the same thing. Man, I look good. Uh, oh, got a cramp. And it's not just us. I pointed out this morning, and I can do so more boldly now because she's not in this service. But women, y'all have the same issue. It was just recently that I got my wife to throw away the jeans that she wore back in high school because she's not going to get back in them. I said that when she was here. She, she's dealt with this for 24 years, so... She's used to it. We have a problem taking account of ourselves, but it, and I use those things to kind of point it out in a humorous way, but look, y'all, we do the exact same thing spiritually is that we think we're more spiritually fit than we are. We think we're a better spiritual size than we really are, and we don't take a proper account of ourselves, and as a result, it robs us of our joy. Those are the things that when we think we've reached the goal, Paul, of all people, had all the ability to say, look, man, I made it. I reached the goal. And he himself says, 
Look, not that I've already obtained this. Not, not that I'm perfect. He says, don't ever become distracted by how far you've come. Only focus on how far you have to go. Straining forward is what he says. Straining forward to what lies ahead. Church, never forget the sinner you were and never forget the grace you received. There's no other way to do Christianity than humble. You cannot be a proud Christian. And I think that's what Paul's trying to lay out here is that if, we, if we're honest with ourselves, if we take a true account of ourselves, that then we, we set the stage for God to do some amazing things in our life and bestow on us joy, true joy, not just happiness. I don't know if you ever realized that happiness, the root of that word is just happen. Happiness just happens, but joy can be eternal. Joy is something that, that God gives and it cannot be robbed from you. I do have some real Charles Spurgeon quotes because I didn't want to not ever get asked to come back and preach again. And you got, you got to have like one real Spurgeon quote. So I got two. But Spurgeon said, the very easiest way to give resurrection to old corruptions is to erect a trophy over their graves. In other words, saying, hey, look what I've done. I beat this habit. I've, I've conquered this sin. And the Bible is very plain that we can do nothing apart from Christ, that it's not really me, but it's Christ in me. I beat no sins. You know what I do? I commit sins. God sets me free from sin. I can build no monument over anything because I've done nothing. It's God that has done it for me. And when you realize that, that begins to open the door for a joy that cannot be robbed from you. He also goes on to say that self-satisfaction rings the death knell of progress. There must be a deep-seated discontent with present attainments or there will never be a striving after the things that are yet beyond. In other words, never become a complacent Christian. Never become content in your Christianity. The two words don't go together. Jesus pointed out and taught, or, and, and you can see it over in John chapter 15, verses 10 and 11, if you want to look at it later. But he pointed out that there's a direct correlation to obedience and joy. He said, if you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. There's a correlation between obedience and joy. And I think that's, that's what Paul is pointing out to us. And the only way to truly be obedient to Christ is, number one, take that, that true self-evaluation.
when we realize it's not what we have done, but it's what Christ has done for us, the joy becomes overwhelming. I was talking to somebody um, in between the services, and, and they were talking about my humor. I, I, I don't take anything too serious other than the Word of God. I like to have fun. I like to laugh. And I tell them all the time, there's no reason. We have a reason to be joyful people. We should not be, and my, my people that have been with me for years know they've heard this. We should not be those, hmm, come be a Christian. It's wonderful. <laughs> right? Life in Jesus. Oh, how joyous. <laughs> now, let's talk about eschatology. Right? We can be joyful people. We should be joyful people. We should enjoy life. We should, we should embrace life. We're only here for a minute. The Bible says it's like a mist. And we've been set free from all the stuff that could cause us pain, true pain. Doesn't mean this is going to be wonderful. I'm going to talk about that because Christianity is not rainbows and unicorns either because if you... Keep going on in John 15. He's going to say, hey, when they hate you, it's because they hated me first. And when they persecute you, it's going to be because of me. And, and you're going to have trials and you're going to have temptations. And life is going to be hard. But I promise you, my joy in you can be full if you follow my commands. That's awesome. Man, I'm going through this too fast. I need to slow down. This is good stuff. He goes on, starting there in verse 15, and he says, Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also, will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join me. Or join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. What I, I love, I love reading Paul because he is so tongue in cheek sometimes. And what you may not realize there is the, the word that he uses. That he's saying those who are those of us who are mature is the exact same word in the Greek that when he in verse 12 he said, I'm not perfect. That perfect and mature is the same word. So what Paul's doing here in this verse is he's saying, Look, if you think you're perfect and mature, you'll realize you're not perfect and mature. So be perfect and mature by following me and being perfect and mature. You see what I'm saying there? Does that make sense? Some of y'all look at me like looking at me like a dog looking at a ceiling fan. What did he just say? He's basically saying, look, the mature Christian will know that he is not perfect. The mature Christian will know that there's still many miles to go. And Paul says, look, I hadn't even attained it. So if you truly are mature, Realize that you're not perfect. Realize you're probably not even really mature yet. 
in Christ. I used the, uh, the example in the first sermon. Scott said, I, y'all completely, or they completely missed it. But th- there's one thing that to me that is, m- there's nothing that is more off-putting than the frozen chosen. For those of y'all that don't know who the frozen chosen are, that's the people I was just demonstrating a minute ago where it's like, ah, come to Jesus, it's wonderful. Yep, I'm perfect, follow my example. I don't drink, smoke, or chew, or date girls that do. Life's wonderful. Uh, all right? And basically what Paul's saying is, and this is my belief, that, that church should be messy. He says, if, if, if you think you're perfect and mature and you put on this air of perfect and mature, you're lying not only to yourself, but everyone around you. That The church is where we come to deal with sin, where we come to deal with pain, where we come to grow with each other, where we have a community that it's safe to be who we really are. So if you're perfect and mature, you'll realize this, that church should look like a two-year-old eating spaghetti. Stuff should be flying everywhere, and you're going to get it on you, and it's going to get on the walls. And look, church, there's no church that should understand that more than this church this morning. I was just talking to Ty a minute ago before we started, and I told him, I said, look, I see everything that's happened recently as just such a great opportunity for God to do amazing things. Because church should be messy. Let me tell you, if you want a really, a, a really organized, straight line, stern, um, like the kind of church Brendan would like. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Was I supposed to pick on you? It's because it's you're here, brother. I love you. Then you may not want to do church with me because, like, I did, a, I did a, a street ministry for a year with drug addicts and prostitutes, and I loved it. It was chaos. Two o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, my phone ringing. Hey, can you come here? Oh, it's two. I got to work. What Paul's saying is for us to be mature and perfect is to first realize that none of us are mature and perfect. We all have to grow. The process of sanctification never ends till we're before Christ in glory. That if you think, I challenged them this morning, nobody took me up on it. There's more of y'all now. I'm gonna challenge y'all. Any one of you think you could win in a water walking contest, we'll go down to the lake and we'll see if your ears aren't just as wet as mine. Because none of us are going to win that one. Paul goes on to say, brothers, join in imitating me. Now, this this is kind of odd in the fact that he just sat there and said, I haven't attained this. I'm not perfect. I'm not mature and perfect. So imitate me. What? But I think what we're, what we're doing is we're thinking about that from a, from a wrong point of view that ultimately what Paul's challenging us to do and the church at Philippi to do is to imitate him in a reckless abandonment of all that we have for Christ. 
for a radical dependence on Jesus Christ and nothing else. Because he just went on to say, look, everything that I could boast about, I count it all as lost. We talked about that last week. None of that means anything. I've abandoned it all for Christ. And he's saying, look, follow me in this example. The one thing I've learned how to do is to give it all up for Jesus. And that's his challenge, that, that, we, would, that we, would, we would die to ourselves daily. Anybody here ever bear a cross? Come on, really? If you've been in the ministry, that, that's a term you use often. Well, I have to bear this cross for Jesus. Right, but, but the only reason to bear a cross is to die. It's like, come on, let me take my instrument of death and go die. And ultimately, that's what Paul's saying is, bear your cross for Christ. Take up your cross and die daily to yourself. Take a true account of yourself and realize that you probably need to for the sake of Christ, and then let God work through you. We see all throughout Scripture where there's men that, that we can proclaim as mighty men of God, but if you look really deep at those stories, you see they're just like you and me. When I say David, we think of little David in a slingshot taking down giants. When I ever think of David on the rooftop, oogling a naked Bathsheba, do we? Would you find that humorous? But ultimately what the point is, is that God says, in spite of all of this, I will use this man because he's a man after my own heart in all of his weakness that, that I can do something great through this normal man. We have to decrease that he might increase, as John the Baptist said. That's the point. That, that is where joy comes from. Happiness just happens, but joy is intentional, and you've got to strive towards it, is what Paul says, through that obedience to the commands of Christ. And then ultimately what you see is, in all of our messed upness, I, I just coined that word. In all of our mess upness, that God will do amazing things. There's sometimes that I'm going to be honest. I, I've been about this life for many years now, and there's still times when I stop and I go, "Wow, this really is true." Do you do that? Do you ever see God do something and you go, wow, all this is real. That's joy welling up in your soul. If you're missing out on it, you're missing out on something awesome. He 
He goes on to explain, for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Now the question here becomes, who are these people that Paul's referencing? Because this is a warning, y'all, to us, to the church of Philippi, to all of us. There's a warning, there's these people, and, and these are the things that I hate about Paul's writing, because he'll go, I, tell, I told you about these people, and I'm like, whoa, time out, you didn't tell me, it didn't get recorded, how am I supposed to translate this, how do I understand this? So I'm going to give you basically the two major thoughts are that one, he's referring to the Judaizers that he referred to before that basically said to become a Christian, you got to become a Jew first and then transfer into Christianity. Or it's a whole new group of people, which I tend to believe and lean more towards is that what he's talking about are people who are Christian in name only. People within the church who claim the name of Christ with their mouths only and not their hearts. That these people, these people, as he points out, that they're more about worldly things. Their pride is not in Christ. Their pride is in the neighborhood they live in. The new rims on their chariot. Their, their joy is in, in earthly things, their job. I, I mentioned in the first service, they worship their children, bowing before the altar of little demons, <laughs> little curtain climbing, crumb snatching. I got four kids, y'all. I can do this. Y'all bear with me. But we do, we gotta be careful, right? Because man, my kids are the apple of my eye. They're the greatest thing since sliced bread. And if I'm not careful, I will substitute them for Christ. And that is a worldly way of thinking. That the only way I can truly be a great father is to be a Christianly father first. I tried it both ways, let me tell you. The first way doesn't turn out well. It's only by the grace of God I don't visit my older kids in the pen. Because I, I should have messed them kids up. Thank you, Jesus. Paul gives us a warning that, look, if you really want to experience joy, true joy, Make sure that, that your heart's desire are set on the things that matter and not those that rust and moth will destroy. Set your mind on heavenly things and you'll never be let down. Because eventually, those new rims on your chariot are going to get a flat. Rubber's going to wear off. Your kids are going to grow up. They're going to leave home and leave you with their school loans that they talked you into signing for. <laughs> Put your desires on those things above. 
And then he goes on to say, but our citizenship is in heaven. From it, we await a savior. I want to point out to y'all this morning that that's the goal. Remember he said, I'm striving, I'm, I'm churning, I'm working, I'm trying to get to the goal. The goal is Jesus Christ that not only would we become more like him, that we would be with him. That that's the goal of every Christian. Look, there's no other way to live this life than to truly desire nothing more than to get, spent, get to spend time with the one true living God for all eternity. Not time, but all eternity with the one true living God. Jesus is our goal. We await a savior from heaven. Heaven is not the goal. Jesus is the goal. And if, if we fall truly in love with the one true living God in, in Jesus, then all this stuff that we're talking about being obedient, whenever they come at you, whenever the world persecutes you, whenever you experience the painful things of this world, it will roll off your back like a duck. Duck's back to water. Does it mean that it won't sting? Yeah, there's real stings in this life. There's real pain. We experience loss. All these things that we were never meant to have. All these things that God never intended for us to experience, but because of the effects of sin that, yes, each and every one of us do. He goes on to say, but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. Now, again, I will say most of y'all are probably looking at me right now going, that body couldn't get much better. <laughs> and I understand. I even looked at it in the mirror with my shirt off this morning. But like I said, life does have true pain and it does have true issues. And what Jesus is saying, look, our residence isn't here. We're here for a minute. But I'm going to take you for all eternity and I'm going to make you perfect. And you know what, Sean? You're not going to have multiple sclerosis anymore. You're not going to have your body attacking your brain and have to deal with the discomfort and the pain of that. I'm going to give you a perfect body. So are there real pains here? Yeah, we're too expected. But my hope is in the goal, Jesus Christ and his promises. And I know that they're true because of those very moments that I referenced a minute ago when I stop and I go, wow, this is true. Because only God could have just done that. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Every knee shall bow, and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. The question is, when you do it. 
Have you ever stopped to realize that? The question isn't whether you will confess Jesus Christ as Lord. It's when you will confess Jesus Christ as Lord. See, you have the opportunity this morning to do it now. Or you can do it before the judgment seat when it's too late. And the reason I know that is because the perfect word of God says so, the end. I'm not even going to argue it with you. Hmm. Our citizenship's not here, church. If you want joy, don't establish your joy on the things of here. Put your mind on the things above. That's what scripture tells us. That leads us to, to what we do now. One of the things I love that we do here at Providence is we celebrate the Lord's Supper every Sunday. Um, I shared with the first service that I come from a Baptist background, and that's where usually some really old stoic guys would now proceed up here, and they'd grab these plates, and they'd walk down these aisles, and they would look at you as if you should be privileged that they're allowing you to have those horrible wafers. And then a little lukewarm grape juice to try to wash down that sandy Sahara-like wafer. But what I tell you is, I'm going to ask you to think of it a little bit different this morning, that no man needs serve you because Jesus Christ did it on the cross. He was the perfect sacrifice that covered all of God's requirements for yours and my sins. that it was his brokenness that would make us whole, that it was his blood that covered our sins on Calvary's cross, that we might be okay with the one true living God and we may truly experience the joy that he intends for us. So as we, as we have the worship team come forward this morning and we start to to set our minds on obedience and things above, what I'd ask you to do this morning is worship God. And nothing else. For some of you, it may be just to sit where you sit this morning and quietly cry out to God, I am so broken, God, forgive me. And you know what the word of God tells us? It's beautiful. It says that he will take all your unrighteousness if you confess and repent. He'll make you white as snow. How beautiful is that? Worship him maybe in confession this morning. Maybe you worship him in praising him, standing up and, and boldly singing to the one true living God. He gets great joy in that is what scripture tells us. Maybe it's coming up here and taking the Lord's Supper. And by the way, not to forget, there's a gluten-free option right here. Who said, oh, Lord? I heard it. They don't want to confess. There's a gluten-free option here. And guess what? Our home is not here. When you're in heaven, you're going to get to eat the bad wafers with us because you'll have a perfect body and you won't be gluten intolerant anymore. 
So regardless, whatever it is this morning, I would ask you to just take these next few minutes and just praise the one true living God with all your heart, whether it's singing, whether it's confessing, whether it's praying, whether it's taking the Lord's Supper and doing this in remembrance of him. If you're not a Christian this morning, I'd ask you, leave us alone. The Bible says you'll bring judgment on yourself by taking it. If you want to talk about it, find me, find one of the elders, somebody else, and we'll try to explain that to you and help you understand it. If you aren't a Christian this morning, but you do feel like God's kind of moving and stirring in your heart, there'll be a prayer up on the screen. The prayer in no way saves you. Jesus did that on the cross. That's what we're doing in remembrance of him this morning. But that's just a, a way to kind of open communication lines for you. And then what I'd ask you to do is there'll be some people on the sides of the wall. Go and talk to them. Let them pray with you. And we'll get you hooked up and try to sit down and explain all this craziness to you. Because to most people, it looks crazy. That's what the Bible says. But to us, we know it's the truth. Let's worship. Let's worship.